Welcome to the Homo Schedule, where we're corrupting your children into celebrating their wins and being proud of the journey. I'm Liv, and I'm in charge of designing gender-neutral button-ups that fit over everybody's goddamn hips. And I'm Jasmine, the one who schedules all your finger tattoo appointments. <laughs> <laughs> Let's review the minutes from last week's meeting. What's going on with you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I, I have been having this thing recently where like I've been quite settled in general over the last few months, I would say, maybe the last year. And when I say settled, I mean like I'm at a place in my life now where I'm in general more confident, more sure of myself, more at peace with who I am, like feeling a bit more steady. Huge. It has been really huge and has been really nice. But a few times in the last couple of months, that feeling has been met by some pretty steep anxiety spikes that feel old that feel like kind of old patterns of mine coming up that I'm now needing to like meet and get to know and process again in this new headspace. Does that make sense? Totally. I feel like that's part of growth. It's like three steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, one step back, like reprogramming our brains. Yeah. So I've been feeling a bit of that lately where it's like where I'm, you know, for months and months, I was like, wow, I think I'm really fucking getting somewhere. And then, oh, God, Christ. Oh, my God. What is this? But that doesn't mean you're not. I think it means you are. Yeah. Like yeah. the fact those things are popping up is proof that you're growing because then when you see it, you're going, oh, you again, rather than like it just happening. That's exactly how it feels. But it's been interesting to like I feel like I'm at a vantage point where I'm able to see it all instead of, Huge. you know, be at the mercy of it all, which is cool. Can I be so annoying and recommend yoga? Yeah, sure. I like yoga. Because look, I used to hate yoga, but a couple weeks ago I was having a ton of anxiety and panic attacks. And a friend of mine was like, I dare you to cancel that big thing you've planned that you feel like you have to do and instead do yoga every day for seven days. And I was like, I hate yoga. And she was like, I know, but just like, it's a dare. And I did. I canceled the thing. I did the yoga every day instead. And it's low key, like medium key changing my life. When I feel that panic, that stress, I just, I turn on maybe even like a 10 minute yoga practice, something really short that it's still new. So it's something that I'm learning. So my mind has something to focus on instead of like spinning out. But then I'm also regulating my breath and my body at the same time. And maybe the, the thing doesn't go away, but it gets a lot smaller. That's really interesting. Why did you hate yoga? Because I had to sit still right. and wasn't good at it. You know, I like, like when I did it forever ago, I just did a drop in class here and there. I couldn't hold any of those poses. That shit's hard. I still can't. And I didn't have the humility to be okay with that. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I had to sit still for too long. Yeah, I know. As soon as that came out of my mouth, I was like, well, that was kind of <laughs> profoundly revealing. Let's move along. <laughs> I like yoga. I, I like a mix. I like still gentle stuff, but I, I also sometimes like a really frenetic intense physical release is helpful mm -hmm. for me too like like running or like dancing a lot or like punching a pillow or like yelling into something you know I sometimes the harsh jerks me into a different state as successfully as the gentle totally and I want to add for anyone listening who has I don't know problems with exercise there is no like right or wrong way to exercise. No, of course not. And sometimes I think it's a bit of a trick we play on ourselves to be like, oh, it, this doesn't count because it's not strenuous when really yeah. we're using strenuous as a stand-in for punishing. 
you know, it's this isn't this doesn't count because it's not hard because I'm not miserable. It's <laughs> like, not and, hurting me. So, <laughs> yeah, a, you know, a, a relationship with exercise should be like nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, then we can apply that to life. If everything yeah. is everything. By the way, this is a philosophy podcast. If everything is everything, <laughs> if I have to punish myself in my exercise, does that mean I have to punish myself in a relationship for it to be successful? Mm. Well, I've been there. Anyway, yeah, it's about <laughs> taking care of your mind and body. We're getting quite philosophical. I love yeah, it. Yeah. It's, you know, I think it's life is, I don't know. Life isn't supposed to be anything. Things can be good. Yeah. It's like it doesn't have to hurt. Life is short, you know? Life is short. Well, on that note. <laughs> okay, Liv, what's on the agenda for today? Oh my God. On the agenda for today is us talking to Allie Beardsley. Allie Beardsley is a trans comedian and writer from Temecula, California, who spent two decades begging God to be straight while surrounded by dirt biking hotties. That's what Allie loves to say. Here's also some facts about them. They are a longtime College Humor cast member and writer. I'd say they're best known for Dimension 20, the D&D anthology series on Dropout for College Humor. Okay, I'm just going to tell the truth here. So Allie and I met on Dun 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 Raya. That's actually oh. where I've met like a handful of of good friends and you know the queer community we all date and then become buddies this is like a whole conversation in and of itself is like the dating app to friendship pipeline oh i'm so grateful so many people shit on raya i love raya raya has given me a handful of really good friends and ali is one of those people and the the transition from dating app to friendship was beautiful and seamless and lovely and communicative i think about that a lot as someone whom dating apps scare the shit out of and i've never been anywhere near one wait Um, what why yeah yeah, we can talk about that another time i'm gonna send you a friend pass to raya (laughs) oh ah! (laughs) well if i get to make friends like ali that that might actually be worth doing yeah watch you and ali match on Raya. Honestly, would love that. Um, so I had never I had never met Ali before recording this podcast episode and talking to them was an absolute dream. And I think this episode is gonna be a real treat. Let's enter it into the record. Ali Ali Bo Bally Banana Banana <laughs> Bo Bally Me My Mo Mally Ali <laughs> Thank you for coming on to our podcast. How do you identify and what are your pronouns? Oh great. Okay, yes. Um I use they them. I am non-binary and I identify with trans mask people usually. I identify with People who were like really butch for a long time and now feel like kind of femme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I identify with anyone just kind of trying to find their equilibrium, I think. Yeah. I love that. But yeah, overall, if someone is like, are you gay? I'm like, yes. So it depends on, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, different people have different language. So sometimes I'm like, I'm queer identified, mask leaning, non-binary. And then sometimes I'm like, I'm gay. <laughs> I so relate to that. Jasmine, how are you identifying this week? This week, I identify as anxious and depressed. Just kidding. I'm not kidding. This week, I identify <laughs> as queer, as a queer woman of color. That's how I identify this week. My mm. pronouns are still she, her. How about you, Liv? My pronouns are they, them. I'm non-binary. I'm gay. And uh, I've been, like, enjoying cooking. Ooh. What are you cooking? I've been, like, experimenting with some Korean recipes and some Italian stuff and just kind of, like, learning to sustain myself living alone. So I think I'm starting to, like, identify as an adult. Yeah. A little goku John. Yeah, it's delicious. Mm. It's so good. Um... 
Allie, I would love to ask you about something that I read, um, which was you describing yourself as uh, fertile masculine, (laughs) which I cannot get enough of. I love that. Talk to me about the fertility of the masculine. Yes, I ID heavily as masculine fertile. On face value, I think people hear this and they're like, oh, it's like a butch person who has like hips or something. It simply is not. I think it is the spirit of being masculine and also the spirit of being fertile and like welcoming and (laughs) enriching. And there are like cis men who are masculine fertile Mm. and there are women who are masculine fertile. There are non-binary people who are masculine fertile. But Yeah, I've gotten a lot of uh, interesting feedback on this. Some people are like, you've ruined my life. My girlfriend only refers to me as masculine fertile now. And I just want to set the record straight. Only you can identify yourself as masculine fertile. (laughs) It is a mantle you take upon yourself. I do want a shirt with masculine fertile on it. I mean, same. I mean, it's it's merch in the making, I would say. You should get on that, Ali. I just love like incorporating masculinity into like nurturing. Yes. And into the act of creation and like degendering that. I think that's delicious. Yeah. It's definitely something on my trans uh, transitioning journey that I have felt like, oh, my body is betraying me. I have these characteristics or like, what does my ideal look like? And it's just this kind of like stark unfertile dare I say barren Mm. uh look and yeah it was just kind of a moment for me of being like no I actually really embrace fertile makes everyone think like I'm talking about like having a baby but it is I'm talking about you know like a fertile crescent no like rich earth yeah it's very like I'm not yeah I don't know it's just developing kind of a new masculinity as like my ideal well I'd say as your friend I very much see your fertile quality yeah (laughs) every room you walk into you light up you're great at connecting people you're fun you make people smile and laugh and feel loved wow oh my god jasmine thank you and i'm also just constantly doing pull-ups like on door frames so that's that's the masculine side for some of the listeners at home who might be meeting you for the first time do you want to talk us through what you do Yeah, definitely. This is very funny uh, to me. So I grew up very religious in a house that was kind of like Halloween is evil. You know what Mm. I mean? Like D&D. Oh, you're not going to play that. It just was never like an option for me. And then I do improv at Upright Citizens Brigade and met a ton of people that way. And someone there was trying to put a Dungeons and Dragons crew together of all improvisers and like comedians. So I joined that and then it like really was really popular. Like my friend Brennan, who runs all the D&D games, is like so brilliant and fun. And we really we were both like philosophy majors. So we both are just kind of like, well, what do you mean by that? You know, we're just like pushing back on each other in like a way that's really fun. Philosophy as a bedrock does seem appropriate for tabletop gaming, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so many comedians uh, studied philosophy. I feel yeah. like it makes a lot of sense. So yeah, that is like something that became like super, super popular. Like when I meet people now and they're like, let me add you on Instagram. They're like, whoa, why do you have so many followers? <laughs> and I'm like, it's because I play D&D on the internet. So yeah, it's a show called Dimension 20 and it's kind of like American Horror Story in the way where each season is like a whole new world we're playing completely different characters an anthology an anthology dare I say that's cool Um, so yeah through that it's been really important to me to show uh, queer stories that we don't see very often 
And so I think that that a lot of people have been like drawn to that. Right. And like the experience of shaping a narrative through playing it is like different to like sitting down and writing it. And especially like having a background in improvisation and like doing improv and doing D&D. It's like there's a sense of ownership over the stories you're telling that um, I think is really interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of queer people find their uh, space to figure themselves out through fantasy. Mm. I think that that's really common. And so uh, there are so many queer people playing D&D. Well, see, this is the thing. You've started answering a question before we asked it, which was, <laughs> what's the deal with LGBT people in D&D? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in my opinion, D&D is this game where you're all sitting at a table and you're like, here's my character. Here's what they look like. You get to explain everything about them. And like, no one at the table is going to be like, you don't look like that. No one is gonna like put any breaks on you they're just gonna be like yeah jason like you're playing this woman who's like a single mom and like you know it's like it's like friends like completely just going wild with it and you can just try on it's transformative yeah it's another form of theater yeah yeah for people who are not actors i think that this is like a very fun way to just like have snacks with your friends and be like <laughs> I don't know like I my brother is also gay and he would always choose like the female avatar in any like choose your player game and like I think that's a little dose of what you get with D&D D&D is like you choose her and then you get to like completely expound on every part of her reality I love that because it does feel very theatrical to me but it's a safe space for people who perhaps aren't comfortable in a black box or on a stage or even in a class getting up and walking around and acting something out. It's a safer space to do that. And perhaps you even get to go farther with the exploration because it's not scripted. Yeah. You have me interested in D&D. Yeah. I have limited experience with D&D, but I've played games like Monster Hearts before. And it is like really cathartic and fun and social and like exploratory. Yes, totally. Monster Hearts was very fun. Big fan. It's a good game. Yeah. So you said that a lot of queer people have really resonated with you on this game mm -hmm. on this game is that the right way to say that yeah <laughs> on the line <laughs> on the internet <laughs> game space and i've seen you interact a lot with your fans online you're very interactive and very good at engaging people i want to know more about that and what it's like interacting with the younger generation of queer people mm. i think we have a lot to learn from them and it seems like you're with them all the time yes <laughs> Yeah, how do you think about that relationship as like a, a content creator who's very personally visible? So it's only coming from my own personal leanings. Like I am a fan. <laughs> like if someone compiled the list of like random, like let's start with MySpace, go as far back as you can. Like I have sent messages to people that were in movies that I liked. Like I send fan messages Aww. when I'm drunk, especially sometimes <laughs> I'll check my Instagram DMs and it's like, I really loved that song, man. You know, and it's like <laughs> hopelessly like completely sincere. You wake up and you're like, oh God, I DM'd Pitbull again. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> oh no. Mr. Worldwide. No. <laughs> It's only Pitbull. Yeah, definitely. And um, <laughs> so I think coming from that point of view, I don't know. It's not weird to me when someone is like, hey, I really liked this thing you made. I like that's my dream world is where someone can be like, this was really cool. And I can be like, whoa, thank you so much. Uh, let's talk about that. or Let's have a conversation. And then 
I definitely feel like I grew up in like a drought of representation. Are there any gay people? Is there any differentiation in them? Or is it all like LOL middle-aged woman who works at Home Depot softball mom on Will and Grace? Right. You know, like, is there a lesbian in sight? Which, by the way, love her. Which, by the way, Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. Yeah, you know, not a lot of rep. And so when people reach out and are like, this really made me think or this was so cool to see. I'm just like, that's the highest praise ever. And I'm just like, thank you so much. That's so cool. It seems like that is reciprocal and that it nourishes you in some way to hear that. Definitely. Yeah. And I think like people have reached out and been like, I'm starting my own podcast. I'm doing this game. Like, you know, there have been people that I've been interacting with for like a super long time and it's less like, oh, you sent me like a DM that was like, I'm a fan. It's more like we are like actual friends now. And so like there's one person who based like their D&D campaign around this like trans guy cowboy character that I played in the show. And over quarantine was like, hey, can I pay you to just appear in our Zoom and like make my entire party go crazy. <laughs> How fun. Oh my God. Did you do it? Yeah, I absolutely did. I absolutely did. How it. was it? It was great. Like he he clearly set it up like it was gonna be me and everyone was like super confused and he was like, Yeah, it's Pete from Dimension 20. And then I like <laughs> unmuted, you know, like revealed my thing. And it's just me in my room being like, Hi everyone. <laughs> like that is gorgeous. <laughs> what was the experience of that like connectivity um coming out and into yourself in the public eye oh yeah i yeah it's been really crazy to transition publicly in that way um but also very cool because i think like people just got like a front row seat to what it looks like to be like hey i'm a girl (laughs) into like you know on my own little journey was that by choice or did it just happen to do it all publicly? I mean, I worked at College Humor and we would make like three sketches a week. So it's just like constantly filming and like trying new clothes out, trying a new hairstyle. Like, so it's not like I was like posting like, hey, here's an update of how I feel in my gender. It was just like we were constantly writing sketches and people would like I'm like hey these are my pronouns now like switch all the sketches to that and you can just completely see the trajectory of me finding my non-binaryness that really speaks to the importance of like an environment where you were comfortable enough to ask for those things and to like be assertive with those things and to know that you would be heard and respected yeah definitely it, w- it was such an incredible place to work but everyone was extremely like I don't even know if I mean, I definitely told like the cast that I was working with like super closely, like, oh, I use they, them now and everyone switched. But then like people in the office were just like using they, them all of a sudden. I'm like, did yes. someone send out like a mass email? <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I don't know about you, but what I've noticed is that like the the people who do the work of like correcting everybody else around you often won't tell you that they're doing that. And it's the sweetest thing. Like this happened to me where like suddenly someone was like, oh yeah, like so-and-so has been going around like correcting everybody. I'm like, they have? Like, well, it's really nice. Well, that's, that is a huge thing that I would love to talk about. I mm. was, I, I do a lot of volunteer work in LA and I'm out on like a outreach thing. We do like a lot of houseless people experiencing homelessness outreach. 
And the person that I'm walking around with is like, it's like an anxiety thing. So she really felt the need to tell me that the main guy I've been interacting with has been using she, her nonstop and she corrected him. And I was just like, oh, like you think you're telling me like a sweet story that maybe I would say thank you to, but this actually makes me feel so fucking weird to my core. Like, yeah. What's uncomfortable to me about that is that it speaks to a need to be thanked. Yes. Yeah. Or it's like, hey, I took care of that for you. It's like, okay, well, I, well, I didn't really actually need to know that. Exactly. Yeah, this isn't your kind of like, I'm not here to give you a little bit of praise. People want points sometimes. Yes, it's so points. And it's so day and night with the emotional experience of finding out that somebody has been doing that ally work for you, but like not asking for anything in return. Yes, totally. Or you never find out and that's okay because you weren't meant to find out. Yeah. Pronouns are hard because people don't use your pronouns in front of you very often. You know what I mean? Like, unless like there are a couple people that don't know each other. So then they have to keep like referring to you. But like, it's usually the bulk of it is happening when you're not there. So you're just kind of like, well, I hope that's going according to plan. Yeah. God, that is so real. It's like doing a trust fall with everyone. Yeah. Yeah, there. I had an experience uh, like last weekend where <laughs> this is too much of a long story to get into, but there was just a list of like men and women that people were signing in with. And I was on the men's list and I went to go sign in. And this guy is looking for my name on the women's list and is like, I don't see your name. Where is it? I was like, oh, I'm on the men's. And instead of being like, I'm sorry, he was like, thank you. And just flipped over to the men's, found me and moved on. I. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. That changes everything. That is the response. That really changes everything because that it's like, then you don't have to say it's okay. Yes. Right. Because when someone says, I'm sorry, the natural social response is it's okay. And it's not okay. Yeah. If someone says, thank you, you don't have to say it's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's not like violent and I'm not like, it's not okay. You know, like livid. I'm just like, hey, we're at a point where like, it's not okay. Like yeah. we're moving past this. Well, and I think. People don't realize that when they say I'm sorry, like if if I'm assuming everyone's coming from a good intention, they don't realize that's making it about them because then you are comforting them. Yeah. This has just been a very cool, interesting time to see. I just feel like that kind of like labor of what you're asking for people when you're like, oh, sorry. And I uh, like, oh, my ignorance. It is actually a little bit of a pet peeve of mine when people find out that I'm non-binary and use they them pronouns and they're like oh well you know I'm, I'm really gonna try but if I get it wrong just correct me I'm like uh yeah I mean I will but um why don't you just really try not to do that <laughs> not get it wrong why don't you take out your notes app and write down my Venmo <laughs> <laughs> and every time I correct you it's 25 dollars <laughs> it's definitely hard I think with anything non-binary currently because I'm struggling between and this is like great for going to therapy I think because it's something I work on there but it's like on one side I'm like oh maybe I'm the first non-binary person this person has met and so like we're doing this work now and it sucks but I do have a supportive network and I don't feel like this is going to break me and then everyone after me it just gets a little bit easier with this particular person or system or set or group of producers or sound guys or whatever and then the other side is like, I shouldn't have to do that. Uh, yeah, I, God, yeah. I really, really relate to that. I don't deserve that, you know. That's a tough, tough balance. Yeah. Also, it's like, oh, so I'm never allowed to like 
be annoyed or like have a day where I'm like, I actually don't want to talk about it today. Or like, you know, I'm never, I can't, your fuse has to be so much longer than everybody else's. Yes. It's just a prevailing feeling of knowing the world is not built for you. Like I was listening to a meditation podcast and she's like, so if you're a man, like you will feel this here. And if you're a woman, you'll feel this here. And I just was like, Mm. how dare you? I'm 45 (laughs) minutes into this meditation podcast. Like I'm looking for peace and refuge. And you're over here being like a biologically male and female, no non-binary option. Like Oh, like it's awful. Yeah, it's the feeling that I come up against over and over is I'm like, oh, this has nothing to do with me. Like I like I don't know what any of this is. Yeah, you can be like, well, this isn't for me, but then when it's like, you know, food, shelter, yeah. <laughs> finding peace, any of that, you're like, well, okay, so a lot of things aren't for me, I guess. Uh, what if this was <laughs> for me? <laughs> as fertile as you are are making so many beautiful spaces that are for you and that are for people to come after you and i on a totally different side being a woman of color i i do similar work where i'm having very hard conversations everywhere i go and it's really taxing and really hard on me but then i know that the people that come after me are gonna have it easier definitely you absolutely do that i feel like yeah oh yeah all the time as do you so Thank you for that on behalf of everyone. And I'm curious how success ties into all of this. What do you define as success? Because I look at you and I think that's my friend Ali. They're successful. You mean like in a career? It could be anything. Creatively and in career. Yeah. What do you define as success and happiness? And do you feel like you're there? Do you feel like you're on your way there? Do you think you think about it differently than when you were younger? Like just where where's your head at? Oh, I I like this question. I think I would just push back on the word success. I feel like I'm really trying to disentangle from a capitalist perfection or a like a focus on the future. Oh, you're speaking my language. Yeah. It, when I think about success, it puts me in a real like future tripping feeling of like, will this project go through? Will, will this last longer? Or I, I just get very scrambly. But Yeah, I mean, there are so many small successes that I definitely feel... But small is big. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I could focus, I think, more on that. But yeah, I don't know. That's... Yeah, this is a very interesting question. How about this? Where where do you find your fulfillment? Oh, yeah, this is great. Have you guys heard of Ikigai? No. It is like a Japanese finding your purpose in life kind of like chart. Ikigai. Hmm. It's kind of like a Venn diagram, but there are two of them. So there are four circles that interlap and it's you're supposed to find this middle part that has to do with all of them. And it's what you're good at, what you can be paid for, what the world needs and what makes you happy. Oh. And the idea is that you find this kind of like point or zone to be in. What the world needs. I love that that's in there. Sexy. I like that. Yeah, it's very realistic, too. I think like what you can make money with is treated as kind of like evil. And then that's coming from such a place of comfort. I feel like when people are like, oh, you want to make money? And it's like, oh, you sound really comfortable. Like you sound like you don't have student loans and you don't have like family that needs things. Sound maybe like you don't need to make money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. You sound like money uh, doesn't mean a lot to you. But it also, I love that in this framework, it's treated as just a component and one of several. Yeah, a balance. Yeah, Yeah, not a priority or something to punish yourself with. 
Well, and I love what you originally said about trying to detach from the word success. That's very much a theme of my life at the moment is untangling <laughs> from capitalistic ideas, from the patriarchy, from white supremacy. And I've been asking myself why we made up debt. We made up credit. We made up all of this. It doesn't exist. Human beings really were meant to just laugh and smile and swim and sit by the fire and forage. Tell each other stories. And eat. So I'm working to be more comfortable having a day where I wake up, go on a walk, read my book, maybe send a few emails, baby yeah. steps. <laughs> and then that's it. Instead of waking up going, I have two free hours, time to launch a business. Like, yeah. no, go on a walk, girl. You're fine. <laughs> so for me, success and happiness, I'm also redefining it. And at this moment, what it looks like is being present. And that can manifest in different ways. On some days, what will bring me joy and help me be present is figuring out what the next project is I want to do, or I get great success from doing, I mean, great happiness from doing this <laughs> podcast. That feels like a success, but so does slaying with my cat for an hour. And I do mean my actual cat. <laughs> Whoa, wait, I'm still confused. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> so you're familiar with Alison Bechdel's fun home? Yes, absolutely. Okay, and you're familiar when I say Ring of Keys moment, you know what I'm describing. Okay, yes. <laughs> to, like, to be young and to not quite have the framework or language for yourself yet, but to see somebody or something that resonates with you as like a little budding LGBT baby. I call that a Ring of Keys moment. And on this podcast, we like to ask our guests, did you ever have one? So my Ring of Keys moments are very interesting to me now to think about because it was whenever I would see like a really refined or kind of like fancy way to be mask. Mm. So I had a gay uncle growing up and I remember that one time he left on accident his like toiletries bag at our house and he lived like a couple hours away. So it was just like, oh, we can mail it to him. We never did. And it was filled with Kiehl's products. Yes. This is not sponsored. I'm simply not sponsored. But <laughs> I mean, like, call it an altar if you want. But I had all of those products like on one little table. I would use them every day. We're talking like fourth grade or something like that. And there was like aftershave. <laughs> there was shaving cream. And I you would put it on. I would put it all on. I would do like a whole there was like face toner. <laughs> But I was just using, you know what I mean? Like only using face toner and walking out the door into the hot sun. <laughs> yes, I'm here. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm clean and I'm fancy. My mom calls that sartorial elegance. Oh my gosh. Was like specifically when we're talking about like masculinity and like men doing and doing these things. You know what? I mean, I was just kind of like craving like... My dad was very like Costco jeans, like, you know, I, whatever. He's just like not into that kind of stuff. And then to see like a guy who like was like, oh, I do everything like very intentionally. And this is like a really good product. And then after that, like a few years later, there was a Queer Eye for the Straight Guy book. Hardcover. Yeah. Hardcover. That I bought at a Ross. <laughs> At Ross while waiting for four plus hours for my mom to try on like bras or something, just absolutely being like stuck there. I bought it with my own money. And I mean, this was like huge for me. It like went through how to like do like interior design when you're just like a straight guy or like mm. how to do your hair, how to find clothes, you know, and I'm like reading this as like, you know, quote unquote, a little girl, but I'm just kind of like, 
this is what I want. Like, I want to be a guy with like a really beautiful home. <laughs> I love that. I want to know what to do with cologne. I want to have yeah. good taste in like patent shirts. Truly, like colognes, like all of that kind of stuff is still like really important to me. It feels very like fancy boy or something like, you know. And- I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And at first that was confusing to me because those were definite moments of something like calling to me that I was like, whoa, I love this. I want to be close to this. I want to be this. Um, But then I was like, wait, I'm gay. And then I'm finding myself getting like a little bit more butch, a little bit more like camo, you know, whatever. And that felt weird. And then now I'm, you know in the way that we come out of the closet as gay and then some people have to come out of another closet as trans. Who knew there were like multiple closets in this house? The Russian dolls just keep getting smaller and smaller. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like as being trans, now I'm like, oh, right. I want to be that guy. I want to be that fancy guy with the toner. I want I want to have cufflinks. <laughs> yeah, I want some like heirloom cufflinks or something. Or maybe a pocket square. Yeah, I want a Dyson vacuum and I want a Shih Tzu. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can make that happen, Ali. Uh, no, I can't have a Shih Tzu. Not in this economy. In this economy? <laughs> <laughs> Too rich for my blood. She'll look down on me. I love that. Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah, I love it. Now, we're going to play a cute little game that I would like to call Would You Rather. Oh. I'm your host, Jasmine Savoy Brown. <laughs> Liv, Allie, here we go. Quickly. Would you rather be able to see music or hear colors? Hear colors. See music. Would you rather wear slightly too small shoes forever or have a slightly itchy shirt label forever? Too small shoes. Oh, too small shoes. Would you rather lose your wallet once a month or lose your keys once a week for the rest of your life? Wallet once a month. Keys once a week. <laughs> oh, differences. Fascinating. You can make copies of your keys. <laughs> and there's nothing in my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather date an astrology gay or a vegan gay? Astrology gay. Ugh. Astrology gay. <laughs> no shade. No shade. Okay. Personally offended. You're both. Yeah. I said, what do you mean? The, that Venn diagram's a circle. I know. This is my Aries. I'm just looking for a fight. Okay. <laughs> Would you rather never have kimchi again or never have kombucha again? Oh, brutal. Never have kombucha again. Never have kombucha again. Would you rather win the lottery or abolish the police? <laughs> Win the lottery, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Win the lottery twice, maybe. And then pay the cops more. Yeah. I knew you would say that. I knew you would say that. Pulls out your MAGA hat. Anyway, and last but not least, would you rather date someone who has a tattoo of their ex's name on their neck or get a second tattoo of your ex's name on your neck? I feel like this question is not pointed at me. Uh, look, I, listen. <laughs> My tattoo says Shakira. I don't know where you got this you info. You are lying. <laughs> You're lying. And lastly, Allie Beardsley, what are you going to do this week to advance the gay agenda? The Ooh. very, very real and meaningful gay agenda of which we are in charge. Yes, the gay agenda. I mean, we're going to do a little grassroots organizing. And by that, I mean jello shots. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just going to walk around being really hot is yeah. uh, how I'm going to advance done. the gay agenda. It is a public service. <laughs> That's already done. So thank you on behalf of all of us. Yeah, definitely. 
I, for the gay agenda this week, I'm going to keep getting better at cooking so I can sustain myself and all my other gay friends. Like me. I'm going to feed us. Great. What's a recipe coming up that you're excited to make? I want to make noodles at home. I want to actually Ooh. get better at like doing that from scratch by myself. That's like the, the aim at the moment. As in like make the pasta? Or like make a noodle bowl, but you buy the noodles at the store. No, no, no. Make the noodles itself. Whoa. Do you have one of those thingies that goes like this? The- crank? Crank, 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 crank. Nah, no crank. Just like roll them up, cut them. Do you have a KitchenAid? I have a food processor, but not a KitchenAid. There's like an attachment for the KitchenAid that's like a noodle thing that I've- Oh, shit. I've heard rave reviews about, but I mean, that's a pretty steep price point. I do love a gadget. It's like you buy this- expensive ass mixer like you could just buy a hand crank noodle thing but it really does sound like some shit i do to be honest yeah (laughs) jasmine what are you gonna do this week i am going to do some more self-care i'm going to go ride some horses yes you're gonna do it and be gay on a horse Gay on a horse, cowboy gay. Gay on a horse, homo stuff, homo <laughs> stuff. We sometimes just ride around chanting that. Would you rather date a vegan gay or a horse gay? Oh, my very first girlfriend was a horse girl. <gasps> yeah. Are we fans of her or are we not? I mean, we were teenagers. It's not, It's like neither here nor there. Okay, great. Great. Or maybe a vegan horse astrology gay. <laughs> I want to date myself. We'll dissect that next week. <laughs> thank you, Allie. For me. Thank you so much, Allie. Yeah, thank you for having me. After every interview, there is still so much more for us to read and learn and talk about. So we have citations we want to share with you. First up is The Philosophy of Ikigai, Three Examples About Finding Purpose by Jeffrey Gaines for Positive Psychology 2021. Ikigai is a Japanese concept that combines the terms iki, meaning alive or life, and gai, meaning benefit or worth. When combined, these terms mean that which gives your life worth, meaning, or purpose. This information and more is available in that article in the show notes. And here's another one for you. Queer players find more than a game in Dungeons and Dragons. They find a safe space. This is by Isabel Lichtenstein for Dicebreaker. I just want to say when I read this, you know, when you read something and one of your friends has a quote in it and you're like, oh, my friend is famous. Basically, (laughs) Ali is all over this. (laughs) And I know they're famous, but I was like, whoa, they're really famous. So here's a quote. By removing expectations, the ability to be whoever you want becomes ingrained in the foundation of D&D and normalized to such a degree that queer players can feel more comfortable exploring their identities because, well, everyone else is too. What I really liked about this article is that it highlights that D&D really started as a game for like these straight white guys as everything starts. And then queer people, of course, have been participating the entire time Mm -hmm. and now are becoming more vocal about that participation. I just love that. You can find a link to this and a bunch of other awesome stuff in the episode description. This has been the Homo Schedule. I'm Jasmine Savoy Brown, your host, producer, and creator of the show. And I'm Liv Hewson, your host and producer. The Homo Schedule is produced by Multitude for Netflix. Our lead producer is Eric Silver, our engineer and editor is Misha Stanton, and our executive producer is Amanda McLaughlin. Be sure to follow Most, Netflix's home for LGBTQ plus storytelling on Twitter and Instagram at Most. And the best way to help us keep advancing the gay agenda is to tell a friend about the show. So post about us on socials or text someone a link to your favorite episode. We'll see you next week. This meeting has been adjourned.